Hello and welcome to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I am your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. Super happy to have you here. As I'm recording this intro, this is my official first recording that I'm doing in our new house. So I didn't record this episode that you guys are going to hear today with Dr. Carrie Jones. I didn't record this in my new office, but I am recording this little intro in my new office, and I love it. It's, I still have a few things to hang up, like my softball regional trophy, you know, some just like a few small little things, but I have a whole little bookshelf here with my Himalayan pink salt lamp, my essential oil diffuser, both Tala and Rush are in in here with me. So I have my standing desk. I have a little chair that Rush likes to sit on. I also put my futon in here because that's what Tala typically likes to sit on, but she's on the floor. The cat's on the futon. And so we are just here and I'm super excited. I love our new place. And so we moved because my chiropractic office was is in Canandaigua and I was traveling about 30 to 35 minutes. And we knew that we wanted to be out closer this way. We're in like the Victor Farmington region, which is kind of near Rochester. And we just knew that we wanted to be a little bit closer to my office. So this is much closer to my office. I'm maybe... I don't know, an eight minute drive. It's super nice. So it's amazing. It's been so nice to be here and you know, it's, we're just closer to so many things and I love it. Like I never thought how happy I would be to be close to like, I don't even know, Marshall's home goods. I mean, everything. So we have been loving that. So anyways, I want to share a really awesome review from one of you guys. This is from, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this. LL Wakiola, Dr. Haley, the best, what does this say? Dr. Haley, the best wealth of knowledge. I just lost it. Where did it go? Here it is. Okay. Your podcast is amazing. I listen to you almost every morning while I'm getting ready on my walks or runs. You're so full of knowledge. I am trying to retain as much as I can to help eliminate the toxins in my products. It's overwhelming to say the least. All that's are there in our daily products. Your podcasts are so full of truly helpful information as to what to look for in ingredients and what these ingredients can do in our body. You also give information on what not only these toxins can do, but natural foods that can help in areas of our lives that we may take medication for. I am 54 and in menopause and so much of your information I wish I would have had when I was younger. So I could have eliminated so many things I think have impacted my hormones then and now I listen to your podcast over and over so I can retain as much as possible. Everyone needs to listen to your podcast to live a healthier life. Thanks so much for everything you do to try to help so many people unselfishly. You are the best. Thank you so much. I seriously, I read every single one of your reviews. I probably am going on iTunes and reading the new reviews. I probably go on a few times a week just to, just to see the feedback that you guys are saying, because it means so much. I love to know what you guys are getting from this podcast, what you're learning, making sure that I'm presenting things in a tangible and easy to understand way, which it sounds like I am, which makes me happy. So that makes me 
that makes me really happy. I hope that you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far. This will be episode number 49. So we're almost at 50. Oh my God. And at 52, that'll be a full year of the podcast, which I seriously can't believe we're already there already. I have to figure out what I'm going to talk about for a full year in in review. It's just so crazy. So today's interview is with my absolute hormone idol, Dr. Carrie Jones. She is the medical director of Precision Analytical, which is a Dutch test. So I pretty much have watched probably every single one of the seminars and webinars and things that she's put on for Dutch tests. And I've just learned so much from her. I, she has an amazing Instagram account where she really shares so much on hormone things and whether it's cortisol or estrogen or mitochondria health. And she really is just such an incredible expert in that realm. Hence why she's the medical director of a lab. So that was an absolute treat to have her on the show today. I absolutely totally fangirled and totally had a girl crush because she's just, she's just so great. I mean, I, I dive into her content as much as I possibly can, and I'm always learning from her. So for me, it was such a great treat to you guys to be able to bring her on. We talk about so many different things. We talked about cortisol and, you know, having healthy cortisol levels throughout the day and how we can do that through certain lifestyle hacks and things through diet. We talked about estrogen detox and how estrogen kind of gets the bad, the bad girl or bad guy name, but it's really not bad. We just want to know how we can support it through our drainage pathways. We talk about testosterone and how on the Dutch test, we can see things like cystic and hormonal acne and hair growth and things like that. I really, I really loved our discussion today and you will definitely walk away with lots of tangible things that you can start doing right now. We, so much of what we talked about was diet and whole food. And I think that that's obviously what, what, where I come from first, but we also talk about a lot of lifestyle things, right? Like how getting out in the morning is one of the best things that you can do for your cortisol levels and why cortisol levels are so important. We don't want them too high. We don't want them too low. We want them right in the middle and things that we can do to be able to do that. So I definitely think that you guys are going to walk away with a lot of knowledge. So it's also not just for female listeners, just because she is a medical director for Dutch. And we do talk about estrogen things. We talk a lot about things that would benefit everybody. And I have run actually quite a few Dutch tests on males. Obviously they don't have as in depth of hormones as we do, but they still have estrogen and they still have to detox it and they still have all of these different things. So this is applicable no matter who you are, no matter what your goals are, this is definitely, definitely applicable to you guys. And I'm not sure if you guys have checked out my hormone course or not, but I do have an online hormone course where I really dive in deep on a lot of root cause issues, why hormones are off, especially, uh, things, you know, post pill or just, you're not sure what the heck is going on in your cycle, because honestly we were never taught. So I will link that in the show notes, but that's also linked on my website. It's linked on my Instagram and the bio there. So you guys can check out my online hormone course, but I definitely would, if you are looking to get a deeper dive, on all things hormone balance. But anyways, you guys are going to love this episode with Dr. Carrie Jones. If you are interested in Dutch tests, I will put the link to inquire about running them with me in the show notes. I love running Dutch tests. I feel like every single day I'm constantly talking to somebody else about why we should be running them on them and doing the consults with them. They just, they are able to see on paper things that they can't see through labs and it makes them feel so validated on what they feel, but it also gives us a much more in-depth way that we can help somebody's treatment plan. So 
it was just cool to be able to get Dr. Carrie on here to talk about, you know, we didn't just specifically talk about the Dutch test, but we talked about a lot of things that's pertaining to that and what we can see in there. So hopefully if this sparks your interest, you know, you know that there's a place that we can go. So I have on my website, drhaleyshoff.com slash consults. If you scroll all the way to the bottom, there will be my Dutch test inquiry form where I'll send you all the information, how to get, how I can get it ordered for you, details on it, what it includes, all of that kind of stuff. So you can fill that out. I will also link it here in the show notes, but it's always on my website, drhaleyshoff.com slash consults. So let's get into today's interview. You guys might want to just grab a pen and a paper and just sit down and absolutely learn so many things that you probably never knew about hormones, but I am so excited to bring it to you. Without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Carrie Jones. Dr. Carrie Jones, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I have seriously been loving your content ever since I got into hormone healing stuff. So it's a pleasure to have you here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm glad that you reached out and we get to connect and here we are. I know I'm excited. Tell me. So I feel like everybody kind of in this space has kind of like their pain to purpose. How did you know that you wanted to get into hormone stuff and, and do kind of all of the awesome work that you do now? It's funny. I've known since I was a little girl that I wanted to be, I thought an OBGYN or a pediatrician. I mean, like hormones, women is, is really where I families, it's kind of where I wanted to go. And then as I went through medical school, I was like, Oh, actually what I want to focus on is hormones. Some for selfish purposes, like what's happening in my own body. And Mm -hmm. some, because I realized that a lot of women don't get the education they probably need about hormones or about their bodies. You know, we learn early in life about like how not to get pregnant, right? We all, you know, we get, we go to sex ed and it's like, okay, here's a female body. Here's the male body. And here's how you get pregnant. Here's how you don't get pregnant. And then that's about it. Like it's, We don't really learn what's normal in our period. And we don't learn anything about, you know, what happens with, if you don't get your period or what ovulation could result in, we don't learn about perimenopause. And I thought, well, this is crap. So I wanted to really get into educating around hormones so that women could go, oh, this is what's happening with me. Got it. This is fantastic. Totally. I mean, it just blows my mind how people think like we have no idea even when we're ovulating. We don't eat. Most people don't even know that you can really only get pregnant three to five, seven, maybe days out of the month. Like it's so not what we're taught, even in sex ed. I think that all of that needs to be just revamped and changed, but that's- Yeah, and that's then we need, we need like a refresher later in life. I had a lot of women who, um, like they went through divorce. Maybe mm-hmm. they got married young and I had a lot of patients and maybe they got divorced and they were like, teach me everything because I don't remember. I don't know, you're right. Like I, I, I figured it out enough with my, my ex and now I'm in the dating pool again and I don't know really about like my cycle or how to prevent pregnancy or what these symptoms are. And now I'm older and I'm like, yeah, we need like a part two sex ed, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and I even think we need, you know, a, meni- a perimenopause and a menopause thing because most people are like, oh, hot flashes, I just have to expect it and I have to expect the moods. And I'm yeah. like, you don't really, it's kind of like the PMS stuff. It's common, but you don't have to experience right. things like that. So I think right. that that's so cool. And it's so important that you're doing the work that you are because we need to stop telling people what's common. Doesn't It doesn't need to be normal. It doesn't right. need to be happening to them. So right. That's so cool. So where did you do your training at? I did my, I went to medical school in Portland, Oregon. So I went to the naturopathic school here, which is called NUNM. And then I got my master's in public health because I thought I wanted to do a lot more boots on the ground international work. And when I looked at the NGOs, you had to have an M, a master's in public health and MPH. 
So I went to uh, Grand Canyon University in Arizona and got that. And then recently I am uh, board certified in uh, naturopathic endocrinology. So I'm what's called a Fabney. So I've really just stuck That's sort such of a great name education around hormones this whole time. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. And I love that you just recently, even on your social media talked about your Dutch test. And so you're yes. the medical director of Dutch yes. test, which talk a little bit about like how you got connected with that. I divine fate. I knew the owner of Dutch. So the owner of Dutch used to be the medical or the lab director of a competitor company. And I followed him for years and years and years and years. I attended his education. They used to put on conferences and he left there, created Dutch. And in the early beginning, he came to my clinic and I was the medical director of a large integrative clinic. And he said, I have this new test and it's a urine test. Are you interested in hearing about it? And I said, yeah, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am. I followed you for years. So he came and presented. And after the fact, I sent him an email and I said, you look overwhelmed. Do you need help? And he said, yeah, but I'm a startup. I can't pay you. I said, well, that's great. I've never worked for a lab before. I don't know what I'm doing and I would like to learn as well. So we started out the first while I didn't get paid. I did a lot of volunteer work for Dutch and then gradually it moved into, I was the first clinical consult and then I moved into medical director and now we have a whole big team on the clinical team. And it's, I've been there pretty much since the beginning. I think I'm, we have uh, over a hundred employees and I think I'm, I'm like number five in the grand scheme. So it's, it's been um, a great ride. And I, I love that I've been there from the beginning and, and seen all the evolution of hormones. How long has it been around for? Um, uh, let's see here. I have been there let's, since 2012 is when it was conceived. 13 is when it was actually got off the ground. Yeah. Awesome. So that's about when I started. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. So for people listening who don't know what Dutch is, I know when right. I first heard it, I'm like, for some reason, I thought it was like a stool sample because I was like Dutch like that. I don't know. I don't know why I assumed it was stool. And then I was like, oh, it's an acronym. Like it's yeah, we for- actually, we get asked a lot like, oh, are you testing for Dutch heritage? I'm like, no, we're not a genetic company either. It's dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. And so it's basically these pieces of filter paper that you pee on four, if not five times in the day, let dry and then mail back to the lab. So dried urine is what we came up with the acronym. And then because it's urine, it's the benefit of getting either a blood test or saliva test in combination with a 24 hour urine. So it's more comprehensive. So that's the C in Dutch. Yeah. It's so crazy. I have read a lot of blood panels and then I've looked at their Dutch and it's totally different. Like their blood shows that their estrogen was minimal and then their Dutch was showed crazy estrogen dominant. So that's why when people are like, Oh, my blood test came back normal. I said, Oh, well it might not be because this is just so much more comprehensive. And it's interesting. Our hormones, I don't think people realize this, that female hormones fluctuate through the day. So there's a cool research paper that shows progesterone. They took 10 women and they tested them like every 30 minutes, which sounds awful, but they did. And they mapped out their progesterone in the day. And sure enough, progesterone literally was like on a roller coaster. It was down, it was up, it was down again. And so if you got your blood drawn at two in the afternoon, it could be a down point. So maybe not low, low, but like low enough, you might think, oh gosh, I need progesterone. But if you'd gotten checked at 11 in the morning, your progesterone in this study, in this example, was a lot higher. And with Dutch, because we have four samples, what we do is we take a weighted average. So if you are high in progesterone in the morning, but low in the afternoon, like we, we weight average them as opposed to just picking one and saying, this is what you are all day. And it can't be what you are all day. Hormones are pulsed. 
they're pulsed out. They don't come out like water in a garden hose, which is continuous. They pulse themselves. And so if you catch in between pulses, when you go to the lab and get a blood draw, you may have lower results than you expected. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think that I'm getting a lot of things from people right now saying, oh, you know, I asked my primary care about a Dutch and they said that, no, they'll just do blood. And I think yeah. a lot of that probably has to do with insurances, reimbursement purposes yes. and, and, and training, right. You know, if you're a more conventional practitioner, you, you were trained blood above everything. It's the gold standard. And for a lot of hormones like thyroid and glucose and insulin, hundred percent, it absolutely is gold standard. And you can get screening levels, you know, of estradiol and progesterone and testosterone. Um, but it, you miss a lot of the underneath, a lot of the layers, and then you miss the cortisol throughout the day. Nobody wants to get their blood drawn four times in the day. Um, but everybody wants to know what is my cortisol in the morning? What is my cortisol at night? Why can't I sleep? Why am I tired in the morning? Yeah. So I, I want, I actually had that on my notes to talk about like the cortisol waking response and your cortisol mm. graph. Cause you are just talk about obviously all of this so eloquently, but <laughs> can you talk about, you know, why seeing our cortisol pattern is so crucial and why we want to have that spike in the morning and kind of have it come down. Um, I think a lot of people, we don't really know. We just think that cortisol in general, just bad. We don't want yeah. cortisol. It sure gets a bad rap. That's for sure. Everyone's like, Oh, cortisol means stress. Cortisol means belly fat. And like, well, it's, it's, kind of like Goldilocks, right? Like a too much or too little is a problem. And humans are rhythmic. So we follow rhythms, meaning we literally follow the light and the dark. And in the morning, humans should get up with the sun or be awake with the sun. Our body starts to like a factory, it turns on with the sun. And then at night when the sun goes down and it's dark, our factories turn off or like production goes way down. So cortisol should be high in the morning. It, it gets you up. It gets you alert. It helps actually helps with your blood sugar. It reduces inflammation. Like it gets you ready for your day, but we don't need that at night. Of course, unless you're a shift worker, I'm talking about our most, the day work people. So at night we need the opposite at night. We want, we don't want our factory on. We don't need to be alert. We don't want, you know, to be fighting and combating and, you know, all this stuff. We want to go to sleep. And so at night our cortisol starts to go down, but a lot of men and women have the reverse. They're low in the morning. So they're tired. They hit snooze six times. They need four cups of coffee, but then their parents or their entrepreneurs, or they're trying to work. And so at night they put the kids down to bed and they get their second wind. And they're like, all right, now I'm going to clean. I'm going to fold laundry. I'm going to go through all the mail. I'm going to check my emails. Or the entrepreneurs are like, great. This is the time where I've got two, three, four hours to myself. I'm going to plow through emails and write this presentation. And all of a sudden it's 11 or 12 at night and they've been on the computer and stimulated and their cortisol is like, I guess, I guess we're up now. And so their cortisol is high and they can, some people can struggle to fall asleep and stay asleep. Totally. And we want the opposite, right? We want cortisol. Cortisol follows the sun, melatonin follows the moon. And so I tell people, I know it sucks, especially entrepreneurs and parents who are using that time to get ahead. <laughs> Kids are asleep and quiet, but it's, we have to be careful, especially if you're really tired and struggling with sleep and having health issues, we have to honor this circadian rhythm. Oh, absolutely. I actually just told somebody that the other day, she's got two young kids and she's so cortisol burned out that she, she's got the insomnia. Like you said, like she's mm -hmm. dragging through the day, but tired at night. And cause it's cause she's working and you know, I don't have kids, so I can't really relate on that forefront, like of putting them to bed and then doing all the things. Like I have a hard, like I'm done at this time. I've got mm -hmm. red light on all my devices. Like, you know, I'm sure things will change when that, if that season of life comes, but 
you know, with just setting that boundary of like no devices after, I don't know, seven, eight o'clock yeah. like when it starts to get dark out, that can really be like a free, a free hack, you know, like yeah. you said, and I know you talk a lot about, and I do as well, like getting outside, getting that light in the fir- mm-hmm. first thing in the morning to help boost that cortisol level. Like we shouldn't be relying on caffeine. Like that's, we sh- it's such a cultural thing to just, yeah. Oh, we've got our cup of coffee. And you know, that gets us going through our day. But like, ideally, like you said, we're rhythmic. We, our ancestors didn't rely on coffee to get them through the day. They right, wake up right. when the sun comes up, <laughs> they go to sleep, you know, when, yeah. when the sun goes down. So in terms of kind of like helping the, create more of like a healthy Goldilocks, apart from like the night at, at the, uh, the darkness at nighttime and the brightness in the morning, like what other kind of like hacks do you like to, to help to tell people to do, to help manage, you know, healthy cortisol levels and healthy pattern throughout the day? So cortisol is actually started and, or I should say it's made in the mitochondria. So we all learned in school that mitochondria are cellular powerhouses. They make ATP and the ATP is the energy that basically powers our whole system, right? And everything in our body. And, but mitochondria are also the first step to all of our hormone production and the first and last step for our cortisol. So if you have unhealthy mitochondria, you might have problems making cortisol in the first place. And our mitochondria are ridiculously high maintenance. They are bougie (laughs) and they are affected by everything, medications and, and chemicals and toxins and lack of sleep and stress, everything, you know, kind of ruffles their feathers. So by helping our mitochondria with things like, again, sunlight, you know, light is really helpful. Um, But even things like intermittent fasting for those who can do it, uh, cold showers or cold plunges. So it's in, if for those listening, if it's the Northern hemisphere and it's summer right now, then like if you're out in pools and lakes and oceans and streams, like that cold water can be helpful for the mitochondria, but just a cold shower might be helpful um, for the mitochondria as well. And it's the shiver factor. When you, when you shiver, you enact thermogenesis and which is the warming aspect actually happens in our mitochondria, believe it or not, of our brown fat. So we need to get to the point, like what about people who maybe like toggle it, you know, back and forth, like we should get to the point where we're like shivering or like, I know sometimes I'll, I'll do like a sauna or a hot bath and then do all cold, but like you, you want it to be able to like take your breath away. Like you want it to- for the mitochondria. Cold. So the toggling back and forth is really great for like blood flow, lymphatics, resiliency, totally has its benefits because you have the hot water, right? So it changes your um, dilation and your arteries and capillaries. And then the cold water changes it back and then you go back and forth. And so you, you basically kind of get this nice ringing out of your system and everything moves around and your lymph moves better, which is fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. But for mitochondria in particular, it's when you want that like oh my gosh, that's cold. And you get the goosebumps and, and start to shiver a little. That's when you actively activate the mitochondria, which, um, is cool. Now, if you don't get to that point, people go, oh my gosh, I don't really shiver, but I still like to go back and forth. Still helpful, still good to have the blood flow, right? Still good for lymphatic system, still helpful, still do it. Um, and then the other thing are antioxidants are antioxidants. So I eat the rainbow. It's, it's getting in, um, things like vitamin E and vitamin C and CoQ10 and, um, believe it or not, zinc and manganese, manganese are helpful for something called superoxide dismutase, SOD, uh, which is really potent in the, in the mitochondria. Uh, but zinc is a hot topic now, right? Like some mm-hmm. of these antioxidants are hot topics just for the immune system in general, but we forget that they're also super popular 
in the mitochondria. The mitochondria is like virus. That's great. But it's also helping me make hormone and it's also helping me keep inflammation down so I can continue to make hormone. And so definitely eat the rainbow or look at these antioxidants can be helpful for cortisol. Yeah, definitely. And I think that so many people, they just go to like right to adaptogens or, you know, and those yep. things can be great, but like you said, totally. take a cold shower, like jump in the lake or, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the stuff can really be like free and just mindful things. Like, you know, instead if I've got a green on my plate, let me grab a purple, let me grab mm-hmm. an orange, like just being mindful of grabbing all these different variety things. So that those are great kind of circling back to the blood and kind of how blood is very different than Dutch. One of the things that I absolutely love about the Dutch test is how we can see different estrogen pathways, Mm. because with having a history in my family of breast cancer, like I use it on a yearly basis as a more, a a mere prevention thing. I want to make sure I'm not going down that carcinogen 4-OH detox pathway, right? Mm Because I think that this test can be one of the best ways that we can, Mm -hmm. we can really prevent both for females, for breasts and, you know, uh, uterine, but for males, you know, for prostate, because males Mm -hmm. still will have estrogen. So can we talk a little bit about estrogen detox? I'm love your analogy. You talk about (laughs) it so well. And literally like when we've been house hunting, like I keep looking, I'm like, Oh, I need a claw foot bathtub because I, you know, it just, it just, so it is extra, but I love that. So talk about that pathway. So one thing, first thing, estrogen is detox in our body 24, seven, 365. And I'm sure you have people that will ask you like, what's the greatest estrogen? Like what's a seven day cleanse I can do. What's a three day cleanse I can do. What one pill can I take to help my clear out my estrogen? No, no, no. You, you as a female make estrogen every single day. And therefore every single day, including Christmas, including your birthday, you know, it doesn't matter new year's like you it's, it's a, it's a continuous system. So it's a continuous ongoing thing. But when you make estrogen, um, my analogy is the clawfoot bathtub attached to your sewer line. So you have three phases of estrogen detox. And when you come through the first phase, that's like the water coming into your bathtub. So you can never turn your water off, but you can adjust the water to what kind of water is coming in. And in our body, we have um, water that that's numbered. So it's like a two OH pathway, a four OH pathway and a 16 OH pathway. So we can never turn them off, but we can sort of redirect which way you go. So the two pathway is considered less carcinogenic. It's um, generally dubbed the better pathway. The four pathway is more carcinogenic. It can continue on to be naughty and maybe upset your DNA and put you at risk for cancer. The 16 pathway makes things grow. We call it proliferative. So it can make breasts bigger when we're feeling kind of estrogen dominant. It can make breast cancer grow. If we had breast cancer, it also helps our bones grow. So it's pros and cons to the 16 pathway. Yeah. Well, then you have to go through the, the drain of the bathtub. So is your drain open? Is your drain clogged? Is your drain open, but not open wide enough? This is known as phase two. Phase two is where we neutralize um, your pathways in, in phase one, particularly your uh, the two and the four number. And that's done through what's called methylation. So a lot of people go, oh, methylation, MTHFR. I'm like, well, no, actually- yep. It's not MTHFR really, it's a different enzyme. It's called COMT, catechol O-methyltransferase, COMT or COMT. So that neutralizes those sort of like pesky estrogens. And we like them neutral because in order to get rid of them, you ha- they have to be neutral. And that leads us to phase three. So phase three is the sewer line. Literally the sewer line out of your house carries away the, you know, the dirty water and everything. And it's the same in your body. So you either can urinate it out or you can poop it out and that is the sewer line out. So if you are 
dehydrated and not urinating a lot, if you have constipation, if you have a lot of gut issues that could affect the way you detoxify out your estrogen, your estrogens, but literally everything. Yeah. I mean, I see people like that all the time. They say, you know, I feel like I have hormone issues and I go to the bathroom maybe, you know, twice or three times a week. And I was like, well, no wonder, you know, Mm -hmm. those things continue to recirculate. Yeah. Yeah. It can. And not only that, it's just like, ugh, it's just heavy and uncomfortable and you know, you're really bloated and you just can't get stuff out. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So those three pathways. So if someone is estrogen dominant, they can just be high. Like they'll have, well, they'll have obviously just more estrogen and especially in relation to progesterone, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. always have to have Oh, sky high estrogen, like even high in relation to progesterone, which we haven't right. even talked about progesterone yet, but, but we'll get there. So what are some ways that we can kind of support, you know, going down the good pathway, making sure our COMT and methylation is working properly. What are, what are your favorite ways that we can, we can support those pathways? Absolutely. Well, we always start with the sewer because think about it in your own house. If you, if you, if your bathtub is filling up and you're like, what the heck? And you're trying to just, you're just like adjusting the water and you're just like ch- looking at the drain all the time, but really your sewer line is broken. Then we have a bigger problem. So I tell people start with the sewer line, make sure you are going to the bathroom every single day, right? You should be pooping every single day. So is it whether you need, you know, v- maybe vegetables and fruit, is it pre and probiotics? Have you been on medication antibiotics lately? And it's, it's clogging you up. Um, do you have bacteria in there, right? Do you have parasites? Do you need to do some sort of stool test to see what's up? Let's get it out. So we start there. Then we go to the drain. So we, we move up a level and that's that COMT. And the biggest, biggest, biggest nutrient that's needed for COMT is magnesium. So bonus magnesium can oftentimes, depending what form you get, can help those who have constipation. It can yeah. Right. Yeah. It can help move things out of the, out of the colon. Um, but magnesium is the big cofactor here. And so many people are deficient in magnesium. So whether you're taking magnesium or Epsom salt baths or, you know, topical or powdered magnesium, whatever you're doing, magnesium is helpful. Zinc is the backup. So making sure you're oh. eating foods that are high in zinc or getting enough zinc. And then that leads us up to the water, which is the two, the four and the 16 pathway. So here's where we like foods that are, uh, we call them the brassica family, uh, mm-hmm. the broccolis, the kales, the cauliflowers, the bok choy. These all help move you more down the sort of preferential two pathway. They have an ingredient in them called I3C, indole three carbonyl. And that then breaks down in your stomach acid to dim diindole methane. And it's dim that kind of does the heavy lifting. So it's those types of foods, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, coupled with good stomach acid can then help you sort of shift your pathway and have a better pathway. So the stomach acid is key for that conversion, correct? Yes. Yep. Ah, that's interesting because there's so many people saying, I'm eating all those things. I'm doing all those things. Well, maybe they've got low stomach acid. They could have low stomach acid. And I have a research paper that says you have to eat about 600 grams, which is about two and a half cups a day of those foods to really make a dent and you have to do it like every day long-term. So if you're just, if you're like, oh, I've just done it for a week and my PMS is no better. I'm like, well, according to the study, a week is not long enough. They were looking at years and years and years before it makes a dent, which is why eating the foods are helpful, of course, 
yep. for lots of reasons. Um, but then sometimes depending on your situation, that's, we tend to supplement. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what I always tell people, you know, it's not, you can't just eat like broccoli, like, you know, this day. And then mm-hmm. eat like, it's, it's cups of, yep. of those vegetables, right? Like maybe like a cup in your eggs and then like a salad of arugula or kale, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. and it's every day. Cause like you said, our, our, it doesn't take a break. It doesn't take a day off. And these things they'll go out of our system in a day. So we have to continuously, you know, and I get it. These, I don't want to eat the same things every day either, but there's totally, you know, I don't either. You can do yeah. cabbage and broccoli mm-hmm. sprouts. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many different ways you can do it, but, um, along with the dim supplementation, I, I, I always caution people to just not randomly hop on a dim supplement if they don't know what's going on with their hormones, because yeah. so many people do that. And I was just on the phone with someone the other day and they said, you know, I just started, someone recommended it and I took it the other day. And they said, I've been feeling extra emotional. I could cry at the whim of a hat. And I was like, I don't think that you should be taking that. We have no yeah. idea what your detox pathways look like. And DIM has been shown. I mean, it works. It will yeah. lower estrogen out of circulation. And so what will happen is women will go on it and it will lower them too much. And now they went from a high level of estrogen or maybe even moderate all the way down to low. And it's especially concerning when you're perimenopausal and menopausal and already have low estrogen. I would have women do the same thing. They're like, I read a blog. I saw it on social media. (laughs) I started taking dim and my hot flashes are back. I feel terrible. I'm like, cause you just lowered estrogen. You didn't need to, we needed to redirect it. We didn't need to lower it. And so there's a difference. So would that be more of like the foods, the raw carrot, like the, that aspect would come in handy more than the supplement. Cause the supplement's probably just more of a heavy hitter. Supplement is absolutely a heavy hitter. And the other thing is what I didn't talk about is there's another, um, if the four pathway, so the four numbers, the naughty one that can go down the naughty pathway. So on that naughty pathway towards potential cancer, which we don't want your body is smart and it has two stop gaps. One of the stop gaps is called NQ01 and the other stop gap is called GST. Basically, they react to things like glutathione and N-acetylcysteine and broccoli seeds and resveratrol. And so what I can so when I have that woman who can't do dim, maybe she reacts poorly to it, maybe she's menopausal. I'm like, look, we're going to use these other supplements and these other foods instead. We're going to work real hard on your drain in your in your cloth of bathtub. And I'm going to make sure that you are eliminating your sewer line is great. So we're going to just skip the water completely. And I'm going to focus everywhere else to improve that the best. And it still works. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love those. And and those are great nutrients, Mm -hmm. like nutrients that can pretty much benefit everything. And that's so great. The fact that they are like anti 4 OH and Mm -hmm. our body's so smart. Like it's just, it's fascinating how we have all like these little stop gap things. It's, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating. Um, so I read a blog that you had done on melasma. And so I know while we're on the estrogen topic, I'd love for you to talk about the melasma because post-birth control, or even when I went on a birth control, I went in the sun and I was like, what the hell is this mustache? Like what is going on here? And I, then I obviously figured it out and whatnot, but it was crazy to me. And I, I now see a lot of people, they get it, whether they're post-birth control or they're Mm -hmm. on birth control. What is the reason? Pregnancy. Yeah. Estrogen. So what can happen is high, high levels of estrogen can stimulate. um, So when we get darkness, brownness, tanness, it's melanin, right? That's it's, that's what it's called. It's melanin. So what happens is the receptors, which are called melanocytes, or the cells, excuse me. So the estrogen through a whole cascade will tell the melanocyte, hey, go ahead and make melanin, make it darker. But instead of getting dark all over and, you know, maybe more tan, 
we just get it. It's more susceptible, mostly around our face. So women will say, I get it on my forehead. I get it across my nose and my cheeks. I get it in the mustache area. Um, or sometimes it kind of feels like all over the face as opposed to the rest of the body. And it's, so it's that uptick in melanin production stimulated by estrogen um, that's really a big player for a lot of women. And then they go in the sun and what does the sun do? Stimulates melanin and it's double whammy. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what brings it on. And I wonder, what do you feel like is about the face area that makes those receptors more, I don't know, uh, susceptible? More susceptible? To, that's yeah. a, I actually don't entirely, I don't actually know that. I don't know why the face in particular. Now I know, I do know that women, um, like birthmarks will get bigger or darker if they're on the birth control pill and sun. Like I have had women say, I feel like I get dark spots, but it's mm -hmm. the face that overwhelmingly seems to be the hot place that shows yeah, up, which is where nobody wants it. Like where if you're going to get, wants it. if you're going to make me darker, like make all of me darker, not yeah. just like a little spot on my face. It's horrible. Right. So yeah. would you say that getting, so is that, that's more of like an estrogen dominance thing. So kind of working to help clear all those pathways. Can that potentially help? Could help. Yep. Could help. Now you have to be careful. Any kind of thing you do to speed up or improve detoxification while you're on the birth control pill could render the birth control pill useless, ineffective. Cause you're essentially, if you take the birth control pill and then you speed it through detoxification, it's not really going to have time to do its job and you can become pregnant. So if you are maybe off the birth control pill, mm -hmm. or let's say you were just pregnant and you are no longer pregnant anymore, you, you had the baby, um, then you can start to focus on, you know, these, these pathways. But if you are on birth control, just be careful. Okay. Okay. Good tips. So yeah, work on, work on estrogen detox, all of those things that we had just mm -hmm. talked about. And then are there any like topicals that you like? Sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's honestly the biggest, yeah, yeah. the biggest one. Sunscreen. And then definitely there's a lot of, uh, like, uh, naturopathic sort of dermatology focused doctors who have all sorts of cool topicals that they can use. Um, and in fact, you know, estheticians and dermatologists who specialize in melasma, they definitely have topicals, um, that they use to sort of spot treat to try to get the melanin to go down. I'm not an expert in that part. I'm more the estrogen part, um, but I do know they're available and I do know they can be really life-changing for a lot of women. And would you say that, cause I've heard people say that once you have it, you kind of always have it, but do you think once you kind of get estrogen imbalance and maybe do get the, some of those good topicals, do you feel like that is possible for it to kind of, I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, for sure. Unless you, um, like you can always maybe bring it back, you know, like if you forget SPF and you're out in the sun all day, you know, doing yard work and then you're like, oh crap, you know, mm -hmm. I just like your whole face might be tan, but you may notice that in your typical melasma spot, it's a little bit tanner. Cause again, those receptors have been sort of ramped up to begin with. Yeah. But if you are, you know, consistent with your treatment, consistent with SPF, um, working on your detox pathways, maybe you wear a hat, you know, whatever you're yeah. doing, you may find that over time, uh, it diminishes, diminishes, diminishes. And I hear that from a lot of women who are diligent, like it's awful at first. And then they're like, okay, it's, you know, took me a year or two years, but whoo, no more, no more darkness, you know, above the upper lip or no more feeling like on my forehead or my cheeks are always kind of dark and weird. Well, that's definitely hopeful. Cause I feel like all these articles and things you read, it's like, oh, well, once you have it, it's there forever. But if you actually understand why it's there, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it, it just only makes sense to me that once you kind of tackle the root that you'd be able to, to kind yeah. of fix it. So kind of pivoting into another skin issue I see a lot, which um, someone actually had responded and said, they asked their dermatologist about a Dutch test because they want to understand why they're having cystic acne. And their dermatologist oh. said, oh no, no, no. Like that 
that won't help. And I said, I, that's probably just honestly, because she just doesn't understand because I mm -hmm. see it on the Dutch test all the time, especially looking at the testosterone pathway. Mm -hmm. Like, let's talk about how we can see acne, especially within the Dutch test. Oh my gosh. So acne, especially that cystic acne that's on the jawline and the chin and down the neck. Um, we call that more like an androgenic acne. So androgenic being testosterone, DHT, DHEA. So those kind of hormones that will trigger it. And so you can get a testosterone done a blood test. You can get a DHEA, DHEAS. Um, you can actually even get DHT done in, in uh, a blood test. Do you oh, find nice. that's pretty accurate? Like comparatively, like uh, instead um, of like estrogen and, and blood versus urine? So DHA. I do. Yeah, I do find it. Yeah. I do find the blood is definitely pretty accurate. We do give a few more numbers. We give androsterone, we give five, mm -hmm. uh, five alpha androstenedial. So we do give a few more like bigger picture to see how much of that pathway are you taking up? And so in humans, we have the alpha pathway and we have a beta pathway. So when you make a testosterone, it, when it breaks down, it goes a few different ways. Um, and so if it goes the alpha pathway, that's the aggressive acne hair loss, men, we think prostate issues, women, we think PCOS, beta pathway is less androgenic. It's not zero, but it's just less. Mm -hmm. So when you see a woman with that like heavy alpha pathway lit up and she says, oh my gosh, I have cystic acne. It's on my jawline, down my neck. I'm also maybe having some hair loss on my head, you know, then I go oh, This is probably why, because this pathway lights up the, um, androgen receptors in your skin, particularly in those areas that concentrated and poof, you get cystic acne. Oh, glorious. Isn't that like uh, yeah, the glorious. I love it. thing? Glorious. But it's, yeah. it's so nice to be able to see it because I think that's like my favorite part about the Dutch test is whether I'm showing people their estrogen or I'm showing people the, their cortisol graph. They're like, oh my God, that literally makes so much sense. Like they're yeah. seeing and validating how they feel. Whereas we don't really get that otherwise in many other tests. And so right. obviously that's why I love running this test. But I think especially for acne, it's like, this is why you're more prone to this. And this is maybe why we're suspecting more PCOS mm -hmm. or or things like that. So do you ever see acne because, because of the, the aromatase from the testosterone to the estrogen, do you ever see that as kind of a cause, um, like so high estrogen, high estrogen can in general, um, worsen acne. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, we see it all the time in women in like that PMS time. Mm -hmm. And they'll start to say that, um, you know, gosh, with the hormone shifts, uh, my face is breaking out what's going on. And it's a combination of sort of all the things. And that's resulting in hormonal acne as opposed to just singly, maybe testosterone type acne. Yeah. Which I think mm -hmm. that that's cool when you can see it on the test, because like, if someone's just saying like, I usually just talk about hormonal acne and I group like androgen acne mm -hmm. and estrogen and all those mm -hmm. things, because we just don't know, we're kind of just assuming, but you can kind of see it on the Dutch, whether it's yeah. androgen in nature or if it's estrogen, because they're going to kind of require different nutrients, right? Like the anti-androgen is very right. different than like right. balancing estrogen. Yeah. Right. So, right. um, yeah that I, I absolutely, absolutely love that. So if you were to kind of give people, let's say like three lifestyle dietary, like ways that we can optimize our hormones in, in males or females, right? Cause yeah. like I have guys who I run the Dutch test for and like 100%. a lot of people are like, yeah. are they, are am I allowed to run? I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like yeah. there's no harm in that. So what would you say is kind of like three overarching things we talked about, obviously a lot of different nutrients and foods, but what are kind of like your go-to? So the first thing is what I mentioned earlier with cortisol, with the light and the dark, because humans are rhythmic by nature, and especially 
when women are trying to get their cycles to be consistent, regular, uh, less symptomatic, what have you, we align with our, our reproductive cycle aligns with our main light and dark cycle. And what I mean by that is we have these genes in our brain called the clock genes, like the clock on your wall. And the clock genes are what dictate that we get up in the morning and we go to bed at night and all of our other kind of like feeding habits in timing, basically it affects timing. Like when we release glucose, when we release insulin, how, how we have a cycle, do we ovulate? So those genes, like I said, are, are affected by light and dark. And so I tell people, look, I want you to get, I'm not kidding. It's free, cheap, and easy. I want you to get up and I want you to go outside or open your window and get some exposure. Now, don't be stupid. Don't look at the sun and blind yourself, <laughs> right? But just get get five or 10 minutes of that full spectrum light exposure in the morning on waking. And then at night, the opposite, you, it's the darkness thing. And when you can consistently set and reset your rhythm, that goes downstream and affects all of your rhythms, including your reproductive rhythm, which means hormones. And so now I have women that go, you know, you were right. I started doing that where I got light in the morning. And then at night I wear my blue light blocking glasses and I go to bed on time and I sleep in darkness and I'm like ovulating more consistently. And my PMS is less. I'm like, Oh, imagine that. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Like you said, free, cheap, easy. You just have to yeah. be mindful enough to do it. Yeah. Free, you know? which is, I'm all about practical and tactical because I know everyone's budget is different. And if we can start with the free, cheap and easy, then, then why not? Let's right. Like, let's go there first. Um, what would so you the, say oh, well, quick little interruption? Yeah. What I have, a, I, for some reason, I'm attracting a lot of people who are like, I'm a shift worker. How can you help me? And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I'm so like, so incredibly cyclical with yeah. the sun. I'm like, how do I help these people? Like, right. I think we can create artificial, like there's different lights. Like I still would always you know, create that darkness during the daytime. And mm -hmm. you can get those things like happy lights and things, right? That 100%. They, yeah, yeah. That's what I, so all our shift workers, of course, first of all, we love our shift workers. Yes. We need our shift workers, right? Yes. God bless our shift workers. But, um, and, and it depends on their schedule. Some shift workers are always shift workers mm -hmm. and they, so they're like five days on two days off, just like you and I would be five days in a day and weekends off. Other shift workers like our nurses and our, our EMS systems, they are often, um, like three or four days on, or maybe two or three days on. And then they seem to have like four or five days off, you know, they get right. right. It's so hard to build a routine. They, exactly. And so I tell them you're going to do what you would do in the, you're going to just flip your schedule. Anything you would do and everything we're saying in the day, you just do in your day. So if your day starts when you wake up at four or five in, in the evening, then if it's still light outside, cause it's summer, then go outside and get, get natural light. Or just like you said, buy a happy light, buy the full spectrum light on Amazon. They're like 20 or 30 bucks and turn it on and have it on. When you come home in the morning, which is usually six or seven in the morning, then same thing, like blue light blocking glasses on your drive home and then sleep in complete darkness, wear a mask, you know, mm -hmm. blackout blinds, the whole nine yards. And, and whatever supplements you would take, whatever supplements we would say to take in the morning, you just do in your morning. So your, their morning is at night, right? And then their sleepy time supplements, they will do in their morning when they get home at seven or eight in the morning. And, and then on their normal, then they're like, well, my nurses are like, well, what do I do? And like, it's a normal day. Right. I'm like, then you flip. So you're going to have an awkward day because normally you would come home and you would take your nighttime in the morning, right. but that's your day off now moving for three or four days. So I'm like, don't take your nighttime, just take your general stuff. Like if you take, I don't know, magnesium or minerals or a multivitamin, just take your general stuff, fish oil, which doesn't really matter 
night or morning Mm -hmm. and then and then sleep however long you're going to sleep because oftentimes in that transition day they'll only sleep they won't sleep as long right and then they'll get up and I'm like okay and then that night at that night of your transition day take your night time so now flip to night and so it's a lot of it's it's a lot of like what am I doing but I'm like (laughs) I know it's I think it's all about like you just being like regimented yeah. very, and you've got to be really mindful, like within that transition day, God bless those people. Like you said, because I could never do that. I'm yep. so like in my way now that I would be, my body would be thrown off for months if I did that. And it's, yeah. And some of them love it. I mean, it's definitely some of them hate it. I mean, I definitely yeah. have night shift workers who are like, I'm only doing this because I'm the baby at the job or it's a new job or it's experience. But I, you know, after a year or two, I'm out of here mm-hmm. or I'm back to day shift or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah. So I'm like, you just need to switch what we, you and I would do in the morning, they do in their morning. What you and I would do at night, they do it their night, except their transition day. Their transition day, you literally have to transition back to whatever normal. the normal, right? Their night is, is our night now on their transition day. Okay. Yep. All right. That's great. That's, yep. that's super helpful. I get those questions a lot, which is, they're hard to yes. navigate. They're hard and it's hard because, and it's not perfect either. You know, I right. definitely have night shift workers who are like, well, I do all that. And I still struggle with I know energy or weight or pain or inflammation or headaches or what have you. And I'm like, I know, I know because you're bot, you're literally fighting against your natural circadian rhythm and you're doing it enough, especially if you're like three days on four days off that the body's like, I don't know where you are. <laughs> I know it's in, yeah. it's insane. It's insane. So, okay. So we've got the, the, the light, the, the light, the light the exposures. Yep. Yep. For hormones. So my, the things I recommend for like sort of hormone general basics, um, are literally basics. The next one is, is movement of some kind, right? So I am a big fan of exercise. I am not a big fan of over-exercising. Yes. So it's evaluate your movement. Are you moving in the first place regularly? And mm-hmm. if you are, are you doing it too much? And so I have had women say, especially during COVID a pandemic, they're like, I Peloton in the morning. And then sometimes I'm so stressed out. I Peloton at night too, or I Peloton in the morning. And then I do my abs and my weights, you know, at night. Cause now I work from home and I just, it's easy. Like I just get on the bike and then I right. go over here and I do weights and I'm like, right. Nope. And, and especially when they're like, and my cycle is weird or my hot flashes are back or I I'm super tired or everything hurts and I don't recover. I'm like, all right, we're evaluating that's too much for mm-hmm. you. This is a problem. And so exercise is a big one. Too much or too little, much like Goldilocks, will affect your hormones. Totally. I've been seeing that a lot where people are just like over pelotoning or like over everything, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. like you said, I love exercise. I'm a huge fan of movement, but it's that Goldilocks. You got to have that right balance because your body will tell you if it's too much. If you're holding on to weight, if you're losing mm-hmm. your cycle, think your hormones are funky. It's right. telling you, you can't recover, off. right? You feel, you feel worse, exhausted, depleted after an extra, after workout and it lasts the whole day. And then the next day you're like forcing yourself to work out again when really you probably should be resting. Cause you just burn, 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 burn. Mm-hmm. And that can be a big problem for hormones. Oh yeah. So then the third thing is, is, uh, I say, I call it like eating timing. I think a lot of the population doesn't realize how often they're eating, Mm-hmm. And they're, because we're at home so much now, everyone's snacking all the time. Whereas that's affecting our blood sugar, our glucose and insulin. So every little bite, like that little handful of chocolate, the crust off your kid's sandwich, your actual breakfast, the half a kombucha you drank, like as you go through the day, right? You're crunchy, you're snacky. So you grab crunchy things, everything. And then at night you're watching Netflix because you've nothing better to do. And the series is so good. And now you're <laughs> snacky again. And the body is like, oh my gosh, all we do is eat and graze and humans are not grazers. 
No. Yeah, not to be grazers. And so I think I read research once that said we, the average human does like 32 or some astronomical number of things we put in our mouth. Oh my God. And so, um, and everything counts, right? Every, everything counts. And what that can do, oddly enough, is that can affect our hormones. Because again, we're cyclical rhythmic people. And so define your eating hours, however that looks, and consider having a break between meals by a, like a, a couple hours, you know, two to four hours to give your body a time to digest it. And then to get ready for the next amount of food that you're going to eat versus eating every 30 minutes because you're bored or hungry or because your kids have left food behind. And so what that cycles back to the brain, to those same clock genes of when you're, you know, when you're hungry and when you're eating and it's establishing rhythm in your body because our hormones are rhythmic. Mm-hmm. And so by establishing the rhythm from our brain down, how we sleep and light and dark exposure and how we eat, when we eat, how often we eat, that again can further help our hormones. Plus yeah. glucose and insulin have a massive impact on male or female hormones. It doesn't matter. And oh, so- Oh yeah. Well, and when you're constantly- you know, eating. And then even going back to the gut health, how we talked, how that's key for estrogen. Mm -hmm. When you're turning off that migrating motor complex, I mean, things are not. Yeah. Cause it can, you can't, you, you, the body, it can multitask a lot of things, but it can't that like if you're eating it like rest and digest and fight or flight, it can't multitask that you either do one or you do the other. And so you have to be aware of that. Yeah, no, that's a great tip. Honestly, for me, that was one of the best things that I've implemented because when I was in chiropractic school and I was stressed to the max, I was eating in every class and I was sipping on all the kombucha. Mm -hmm. Like I literally was probably eating for 13, 14, 15 plus hours a day. Mm -hmm. But now like being more rhythmic and like spreading out, like that was honestly, I probably one of the best things for my insulin Mm -hmm. and my cortisol, which therefore downstream effect to everything. And so that's a huge thing I talk about. So I'm so, so, so glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, Dr. Carrie, I can't tell you how much this conversation means. I could always nerd out on hormones and <laughs> do all the things. So this means so much. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can connect with you, because you post a lot of really, really great stuff on your Instagram. Instagram. I was going to say Instagram's where I hang out. I'm very uh, visual. So I am at dr.carriejones and everything I do on there uh, is it just educational? Like you, I said, I had posted my, I posted my own results. So people mm-hmm. can see my own results where I talk about my own journey through pushing myself and burnout and you know, what my estrogen looks like, what my DHEA and testosterone look like, what my cortisol looks like. Um, and I walk people through that because I want them to know reality and transparency, and then they can apply it to themselves. That, that was honestly, I was supposed to take my Dutch this past month, but it was coming off of a weekend of traveling. And I was like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to know what they're going to look like. So I'm going to do it again next month, which is we're moving next month. So that's probably also going to be a crap show, but, um, <laughs> might as well, right. Got to see what's worst. I know. Yeah. Like I want to see what it actually it. is, but it's mm-hmm. honestly like, I mean, I can't say enough great things about the Dutch test, what it's done for me, what it's done for the people that I work with. So thank you so much for kind of helping us dissect all of the great little parts about it. And, and just even have people walk away with free tangible things that mm-hmm. they can do. I mean, and Absolutely. that's why your page is so great is you've got, you do, do so many great interviews and great posts. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank You're you. amazing. And thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay. You guys. So I told you that was going to be a great episode and it was a great episode. I even listening back, I feel like I learned so, so, so much. So definitely take, check out Dr. Carrie Jones on Instagram. 
she's got tons of great IGTV videos, sift through those. And, you know, especially, you know, she's a big content creator as am I. So, you know, if you're new to somebody's page, check out all they have to offer. Creep on their old posts, check out their IGTV videos, check out their story highlights. Cause I know that I have a lot on mine and she also has a ton on hers. So go check those out. If you want a deeper dive, like I said, if you guys would like to inquire about doing Dutch testing together, I would love, love, love to help you with that. So you can fill out the inquiry on my website, drhaleyshoff.com slash consults. It's also linked in the show notes for you. But also if you guys are really wanting to dive into hormones, definitely check out my online hormone course that will also be linked in the show notes because I am just all about helping you understand you and your body because we are all so incredibly different. And when we understand ourselves, that's really how we can create the best lifestyle, understanding the basic foundational principles, understanding ourselves, knowing what's going on in our body and being able to go from there. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I will see you guys next week. Woo!